your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday, a City Council Week Monday, Thursday before the city. You can't sniffle into the mic. You gotta hit. I gotta. I was way that. back from the mic. By, also, <laughs> the hot were, mic. There used to be water back in the day. Yeah, bring it. So what bring, happened? What happened with the water? Well, you get here. There's a cup right there. Oh, see them styrofoam. Oh cups? yeah, see the. So grab that. I see the two ounce plastic cup. And then go and a three ounce styrofoam we'll use cup. A bowl. I use Mill uses the bowls in the bottom. Oh, I was gonna go then, for the bowls and, and decided not to. We have okay. the we have the water thing on the other side of the building. Wow. And Man. every time right. you want to fill that three ounce cup, you got to walk. Okay. <laughs> and also, when you take the styrofoam, when you're done with it, just throw it outside. Okay. And it goes into the gutter there. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it just drains goes right it, into the Mississippi it, River. It goes right right where it's supposed to go. And now Brad's in here. Oh, Brad brought you bottled water, which you're against. Oh, oh look at this bottled like water. water. Oh, my God. Oh. No, Brad, he wants a styrofoam oh, cup. It's purified. Purified bottled water. Remember back in the day, you used to bring people glasses and pitchers and ice? Last and... time you were here, you didn't get water. Okay. You brought a bottle. Thank you, you Brad. A, Thank you. Last time you were here, you brought a big I did. At, yeah, a big good. bottle of water. I'm good. I'm good. And I was like, yeah, he'll probably do I literally thought about this. Yep. Because I don't, I don't give guests water anymore. Oh, well, good for you. Keep them like. Yeah. <laughs> you underhydrate them. It's like a, I'm like an old school football coach. Uh, you're tough in that way. Like no drinks. No, we're not. And then somebody dies at a high school football practice. And I, like, oh, now we gotta give everybody. Now we gotta give water. We gotta hydrate him. Gotta hydrate him. All right. That, if you haven't figured it out, that's Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds sitting Howdy. in studio here. He's taking selfies to put on his Facebook page. I'm just sending uh, them to friends. Oh, you're sending. Like, look at me sitting with him. Yeah, I'm on the radio. Yeah, I'm on the radio. Um, well. You know, speaking of styrofoam cups going right into the Mississippi River, radio professional, was that at all part of your your go your trip to Washington D.C. Not the what? state, but is that at all part of your trip tomorrow? I am. Um, I'm going to Washington to uh, well, essentially lobby on behalf of a group that that the city of Lacrosse has been involved with in for the last ten years. The Mississippi River Cities and Towns Initiative, and we are, uh, myself and um, the mayor from uh, Cape Girardeau in, uh, I guess, Missouri, right? Um, I can't even spell that, so Cape Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to spell. So we're going to Washington to lobby on behalf of uh, Mississippi River Cities up and down, all the way from Minnesota to Louisiana. Uh, we have we're in the middle of a drought, obviously, and it's slowed barge traffic significantly on the Lower Mississippi River. And one of the things that we've realized—well, we haven't just realized it—but one of the things that we are we are trying to change is not having a national drought control or national drought policy, because the the water levels are so low on the Lower Mississippi that and. And this was happening earlier this year up here. There were stories. About right. It. Yeah. And so the, one of the reasons why the Viking cruise ships couldn't dock later in the year is because the water levels were so low. So we've got water levels that are not historically low. We've seen water levels this low, I think, once in the last 35 years or something like that. But this has been going on for a while. And it's all about the drought in the West and then that drainage that goes, I mean, west of the Rockies, obviously. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, east of the Rockies. Uh, and that water that, that drains in the Missouri River watershed, and then 
then funnels into the Mississippi, and it's just not there. The water's not there. And so we have low water levels on the lower Mississippi, which means that barges are carrying light loads, which means that uh, there's we're getting backed up with um, with commodities that are shipping on the river, uh, which means that a lot of the commodities that would ship south from this area regionally are just not going to make the trip this year. So farmers will have to uh, store grain. Uh, some farmers are keeping uh, crops in the field uh, just because there is no there's the, the shipping is ground to a halt and we're almost done with the shipping season up here, obviously. So it's, you know, we've, it, it's a significant problem. And one of the issues that we're seeing is that there's just no national drought policy. We just don't have any way to effectively comprehensively manage a drought situation. And that can significantly impact commerce on the Mississippi. So one of the things that I'm going to do is address that with um, the army Corps of engineers at the highest level as well as um, as the White House, so and and then talk to some le- uh, uh, congressional and Senate leaders as well. Do you just talk to all the the, the con- Congress that's along the Mississippi River? I mean, oh yeah, I mean, I mean, drought is drought. Like yeah. this is like obviously other parts of the nation are having a drought policy. <laughs> Or not a drought policy, right. having a drought situation. Yeah, I mean, there's there's other parts of the nation having a drought policy. I mean, the, the difference with the Mississippi is that, well, first of all, I'm representing MRCTI, which, again, the city of La Crosse is uh, a member of, and I, I'm, I serve as the Wisconsin chair on the group. And so we're really focused on Mississippi River and how significant that is. I mean, when you think about it, 60% of the corn and soybeans um, that is are produced in the U.S. ship on the Mississippi River. And that... So the inability to ship those goods south has a tremendous impact on the economy of our region, our entire region, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, all of it. Uh, so being able to speak to that and give voice to that and how that, that larger economy impacts us here in the city of La Crosse, I think is, significant, is, is very important. You know, it, in the meantime, of course, while we're talking drought policy, you know, a drought is one thing, but a lot of what we address as an organization, MRCTI, is infrastructure and how we can improve that in the Mississippi to, to improve outcomes, not just for if we have a drought, but also with flooding, which is what we deal with primarily here on the Mississippi is high water levels, which can impact or do impact our, our community and, and then communities, uh, all other communities on, on the Mississippi as well. 608-785-7914. So, uh, as the talk of text line, Mayor Mitch Reynolds in here. Is, are you saying this isn't going to be a possibility? We're looking at a story. Pipe dream or possible? Question mark. Experts weigh in on oh the gosh. idea of sending Mississippi River water to the west yeah. because Arizona, yeah. California, they've been going through a historic drought, and then and what the Colorado River is drying up because they're you know whether it's climate change or they're using too much water. Yeah. And now, like, we're going to build more pipelines to steal uh, either Great Lakes water or Mississippi water. Yeah, well, that's the reason why the Great Lakes Governor's Group was formed was to stop that very thing. To stop, you know, because there there was a very strong possibility at one point several years ago of cre- of making Great Lakes water a commodity and sending it west. And so this, the Great Lakes, I can't remember what the group is called, but they formed so that there was an ability to collectively stop that. And... Yeah, that that's definitely going to come up over and over again. I mean, there is a is it just that, the Great Lakes compact? I don't really is know. It, there I might don't know. be more than one. Yeah, I don't know. But there is there's there has definitely been talk of that. So when I, when I was at the 
uh, annual conference for MRCTI um, back in September. That was definitely a conversation that was being had about the 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 potential for making Mississippi water a commodity. I mean, I, I get it because obviously it's fresh water. It drains. I don't know, 40% of the United States, it flows out into the ocean. Um, there are actual problems that come from um, from the, the sediment that flows down the Mississippi River because of that. But And the styrofoam cups. And the draw. styrofoam cups. So maybe we'll send the styrofoam cups and we send one at a time to Arizona with water. I mean, the truth is, living in the desert, it's great. But you can only sustain so large of a population with the amount of water that you have. Now, Arizona is a little bit different. One of the problems with Arizona, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but Arizona doesn't have a, there's not a a, a holistic water policy for the state of Arizona. They have water use policies or uh, 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 structures in cities, like in Phoenix, but there's no overall water management system in the state of Arizona. So anybody can take water from anywhere at any time. In, in out yeah, outside of cities out, that are regular. Well, we have that problem in other states too. I think Nestle in Michigan just for two hundred bucks a year takes as much water as it wants. Yeah, we we've you know we've gone through that problem here in in Wisconsin with uh, with mega uh, agricultural operations as well. So, yeah, water is water battles are real. No All question. Right. All yeah. right, we'll be back. If you got if you got a questions for the mayor six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four, you can text those or call. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds sitting across from me here in studio. We're we're gonna wrap up the Mississippi uh water pollution. No, it's not water pollution. It's actually not not that it's not water pollution related at all, is it? No, no. I, I, and this is um yeah, what we're talking about right now is kind of trying to identify a drought, a national drought policy for the U.S. So that good enough because Mike okay. has a question for go you. I'm bringing Mike. Go for Mike. Mike's then. calling in. Mike, go ahead. You got hey, a Mike. question for Mayor? Hey, thanks. Hey, Mayor. Um, hey. Let me first by start by saying how much better the show was when you were there. I mean, just having you on the air reminds me of that. Thanks for the call, Mike. Um, no, just, yep. <laughs> just My question was though, if you're successful in your lobbying, like what? would the policy look like what is the goal well we have a number of or with this legislation no i appreciate the call i i, I mean i end the question i'm sorry rick appreciates the call i appreciate the question um and, and the policy has it would have a number of different parts to it and what we're recommending as a mayor's group is uh, first of all to uh to to allow the uh, a federal disaster declarations to states for drought um allow cities to spend fema funds addressing drought impacts uh, make making drought mitigation a spending priority for the Jobs Act grants, and that's the uh, that infrastructure bill that was passed not that long ago. Um, uh, develop incentives for manufacturers to build out water recycling efforts. Um, a lot. One of this is one of the key ones that I think we're really focused on as an organization because this is a com- this is a, a comprehensive drought policy that we're looking at. And this would allow for multi-shed water management so that river systems can be managed at a larger scale than just the Mississippi, so a basin-wide scale. And that means that not just the Mississippi water levels are managed by the Army Corps of Engineers, 
but also the Missouri River and the Ohio River and the Illinois River and all the other major tributaries, tributaries that flow into the Mississippi. Right now, the Army, does, Army Corps of Engineers does not have that authority. They cannot exercise the ability to manage water levels on a basin-wide scale. And, I, and, they, and you know, it depends on the level of drought how significant of an impact that would be. But it's possible when you start collecting all of these rivers together and start managing water levels on all the rivers that you can mitigate the harm of one watershed by, uh, by allowing those other uh, uh, lesser watersheds to contribute. So I think that's one of the things. There are a couple of other things that, that would allow farmers to, uh, to take some other actions re- related to their crops and things like that. So it's, it's kind of, it's not, it's not simple stuff. It's, it's, relatively complex and there's a lot of moving parts but i think that overall if you enact all of this stuff that a comprehensive drought policy would be effective for the uh, for the entire mississippi now so, when you're in dc and you're yep. lobbying congress yep. do you do you propose giving those representatives house members senate members like dark money campaign money or get involved in their super PACs because that's the only way they're gonna vote for you know something like that's a great question Next, taxpayer money is Next. that going to be taxpayer dark money? So, um, all right. So oh, yep. one of the things. Oh, by on, the way, this this fund this this trip is not being paid for by Lacrosse uh, City taxpayers directly. Anyway, and are you bicycling out there? Nope. No, I'm not. Um, part of this was yeah. part of your talk today this afternoon. Development, d- develop out of the floodplain areas. Keep development out of the floodplain areas. Yeah. What we'd like to do is not. I mean, we're not. We're absolutely not going to develop in floodplain areas, but. You know, one of the things that the floodplain task force, as a a goal set forth, uh, what is it, 14 years ago now, is for the city of La Crosse to redevelop in ways that got uh, properties out of the floodplain. And so, this has been one of our goals for well, that, that for was my next more question, than a decade. Because are we not developing in a floodplain by creating River Point? Nope, not in a floodplain. Because because of all the oh, sand, yeah. is because that just we, because you, you yeah? Th- and that, out of a and pool. again, that that has been an ongoing uh, goal of the city of Lacrosse for well more than a decade now, and part of the floodplain uh, uh, task force recommendations that were put forth back in two thousand eight was that instead of um, it, that that instead of for instance building out levees or doing those types of things, we would uh, acquire property. Uh, raise up the property, in other words, raise it up, put in fill, and to get to physically move uh, structures out of the floodplain. Instead of trying to protect the the, the city uh, with a, a levy system, which is, by the way, not certified by the Army Corps of Engineers, and and barely is enough to, um, you know, it's 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 not significant enough for the uh, for FEMA to. Uh, it's it's ineffective. Let's just put it that way. None of it. None of the levies are effective, uh, according to our, our federal partner, uh, federal agency partners. And so the goal is really, at some point, to just lift the entire city out of the floodplain. I mean, it, as strange as it is, that was the concept back in 2008 to get all of the all of the properties out of the floodplain in the city of La Crosse in 50 years. And that was one of the strategies that we were that we have been employing. And frankly, it takes a while. But we have been acquiring properties and raising them out of the floodplain as a city, and we have been, over the past several years, been facilitating property owners to do that on their own. 
By by uh, filling in basements, something like that, I think. And, yep, and stuff like that's that. one of them. Yeah, sure. Physically raising properties, physically pull, it, you know, lifting them up and putting dirt underneath them. That has been also something that we've encouraged property owners to do. All right, I mentioned River Point District. Yep. It's the is it the old mobile oil site? Is that yeah? We'll call it that. Yeah, and, and that's Absolutely. just north of downtown Lacrosse, Riverside Park. Yep. Um, what? Where are we in? You know, obviously it's winter, so I don't. Yep. I don't think a whole lot of work is going to be happening down there now. But where yeah. are we in development? We there? It, we're, we actually are working throughout the winter. There's um, constru- construction going on there and infrastructure. Uh, we do anticipate a building beginning. In we have development agreements that are that are pending right now with two developers and uh, we have two more uh, waiting in the wings and we do anticipate a building there coming up in, um, I'm not sure the spring, maybe the the summer or fall. Uh, there's still quite a bit of work to do in terms of getting financing straight and all that kind of stuff. But I'm really, really excited. We're going to have uh, infrastructure like stormwater and sewer and roads and all that kind of stuff going in there very, very soon. And that, that work is actually going on right now uh, on the site. So it is, it's amazing when you think about the 35 years that it's taken to get us to this point, and we are finally building things there. So that's pretty incredible. When you were doing the show, what was it like talking about the mobile oil site? Because Jeez. I feel like, you know, we did this together for a couple of years. Every, yeah. Maybe a couple times a year we just talk about, oh, somebody's going to come in and do yeah. something with it, and yeah. it never came to fruition. Well, I, I think that, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, there was a big giant community-wide planning session. I think it was 2014, I want to say. Uh, the, the charrette process for those of you who remember that. And it was a big planning session. In fact, that, that created, that was what led to the master plan for the, for that site right now. And it was just how, how is the city going to use this site? And this is what the redevelopment authority has been using, uh, to proceed forward ever since then. So it's, it's been in the works, you know, when mayor Zilke came up with this plan in, I can't, whatever year that was like, I know let's do this. I think that nobody would have guessed that it would have taken 35 years to get us to this point. What do you expect it to like in a perfect scenario? What would you expect River Point to look like? Like what would be, I mean, there's some housing, I don't know, a Chipotle. No, yeah, I don't, Chipotle. I don't know about I, Chipotle. Chipotle I, downtown is always closed. I t- I tell you what, they won't I, even let me take my if, order sometimes. If there, <laughs> if there, if we cannot at some point figure out how to get a Popeyes in the city, I swear, <laughs> I, that is like my my the, the ultimate goal for my uh, for my time as mayor to somehow get someone to bring a Popeyes. I mean, you, what city. you should do is is save that so yeah. when you campaign, if you're re- <laughs> if you're running for mayor again, you can yeah. announce that as yeah. part of your campaign strategy. Yeah, is to bring right. Popeyes. I'll think about maybe that. hook up with Big Chicken. <laughs> we've talked about it. Me and Chagoski have talked about it on the show before. Well, you know, your part. You know, if you got the backers of Big Chicken behind your campaign. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we'll um, think about it. No. So think of it as a combination of a lot of things. So Bell Square downtown. So that. Um, that quality of building like that, um, the fifth ward residences, something like that, condos, townhouses, it's just all of it with some commercial space uh, with, you know, with, so that there are places for people to have coffee and to have Popeye's chicken if they want, or I I don't know if Popeye's chicken is going in there, by the way, don't hold me to that. Um, and, and as well as waterfront access so that there is the, all along the Black River, right in front, all the way from uh, r- all the way from Riverside Park north, there will be public access and boat docks, you know, transient boat docks and shops along the waterfront. There will be businesses there. We anticipate a couple of large uh, office buildings being uh, put there as well we, with some premium spots there. I mean, there's a, there's a, 
a lot of space there, Rick. And, and it's just, it's really exciting to see, the, first of all, the first infrastructure going in there. I mean, there's a lot of work left to go. There's no question. But once it, once that first building goes up, it is going to move very, very quickly. Are we kind of bad as a, I don't, maybe not just the city, but as a society, as taking advantage of the riverfront? Okay, first of all, you go south of here, it's a railroad track right. on the road. And then in the city, you know, yeah. there, if you go right over the blue bridges, there's the, what, the water treatment plant right on the yeah. right. Um, obviously, you need that there. But other things that are there are, you know, like, I think, uh, what is it, on the north side, Kentucky Fried Chicken has, like, the best plot of land in all of La Crosse. It, is, it because, is really nice. That's premium <laughs> right. property right there. Does Kentucky Fried so Chicken many, really need riverfront uh, property? Like, is, we could be using that. That place, is, that is a nice spot. No, no, Rick, I think we're doing a lot better, actually. I think and this is the this is the key that... Of, of of waterfront redevelopment is that we've really recognized over the past many years how significant of a resource that is to have access to the waterways. I mean, one of the reasons why we've got the Riverside uh, Center down there, south of Riverside Park, and one of the one of those reasons is that the, the reasons is there. The, the grain elevators, elevators that used to be there are no longer there. We got rid of them because we realized that that property is way more valuable and more usable if there's waterfront access for the public as well as development space for commercial uh, entities. And that, that, that creates economic development, social uh, 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 community cohesion, all of that. I mean, the, there's an arts district right in that area because of that, that development. And that's happening up and down the river. Everyone is recognizing how right. important it, uh, uh, water, good water frontage is. You mentioned it too. Is it that much more that much more comical that you said thirty five years the the mo- and I guess there was some environmental. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't bad. know the history of the yeah, mobile. The, the, the remediation process was extensive, and there was and there was lawsuits too. You know that was the other part of it. Fighting Exxon is not easy, and that's what the city did for a really long time. So it's it is. So the fight Exxon, and then what? Like purchase the land from whoever? I guess. Mobile well, there were a number or- of there were a number of different property owners that uh, land has been purchased from. But there's still more to go. Uh, but we're you know we have we have the space now to develop. We'll just be expanding that uh, to some other spaces that properties are still left there. But it was multiple acquisitions over many many years. Uh, a lot of remediation. A lot of remediation. A lot of digging out dirt and putting the dirt back. There was all kinds of that stuff going on. It was, a, it's a heck of a process. What, you know, just oil silk dirt that we had to get out of there. Or what? I, I really, <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I don't, I don't have the Before rundown of all of that. I tell you what, you know, uh, I do remember many conversations uh, about this very topic, but um, some of the folks that were around uh, throughout that process, former mayor, John Mettinger, former mayor, Tim Cabot, um, you know, all the folks that were part of that, uh, our former uh, director of planning, Larry Kirch, was a major, major part of development of the River Point District. So all those people were, were, were able to build buildings because of the work of all those people that have come before us. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds spending the hour with us. We'll be back. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914. Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds in here. We're just talking about uh, Wisconsin basketball. <laughs> Which is what you do. Like, literally. That's what we do on this program. Not Badger basketball, but Wisconsin. Like, all, Wisconsin, the, all the state. All the, all the state. Yeah. A, guy, uh, a guy whose dad coached at my high school oh, is boy. playing for the Boston Celtics. Here we so go. There's that. Um <laughs> do you want to do Kanye talk now or no? It's no, weird that you're you're also wearing your gimp outfit in here. That's weird. We'll see a picture of that later. <laughs> what on earth are we talking about? <laughs> what was that? Like that? 
like where, where is society going with uh with like anti-semitism and nazis and do you do you want to do show do you just want to do show no you don't want to do that i don't want to do that no not okay. understood thanks though we'll appreciate the, appreciate we'll the opportunity the river point district appreciate the opportunity i think i think we talked about that we can move on no we can move on mm. um the city council meeting is thursday so obviously mm. you come in here on the monday before the city council meeting and I don't know if you if you look at that and go this these are the highlights. But uh, me and Brad, we we do this before the show. We kind of go through some of the highlights. Yep. Um, and one of the stories Brad had earlier this week on WisdomNews.com is was just and and from what I the the one sentence I pulled out of the whereas uh, whatever you call that thing statement from the 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 PDF on the the council agenda. Okay. Um, we're gonna up we're we're possibly gonna allocate seven hundred sixty five thousand dollars to update Pearl Street some more. That's a, whereas the common council approved mm-hmm. resolution on May 12, 2020 allocated. So maybe we already did this, mm-hmm. but uh, how much, how much updating? And I think Barb Jansen during a committee meeting said, Hey, we could, uh, we could spend some money on other parts of the town yeah. as opposed to always Pearl Street, Pearl Street, Pearl Street. Yeah. I think there, I think I had uh, the one of your, maybe the city planner or somebody on to specifically talk about like the Pearl Street of the future, yeah. Uh, but it is kind of funny. Why does Pearl Street get all the attention, and should we be looking at other things? Yeah, I, and I think, the, and we're talking about the Pearl Street Walkway here, not the entire length of Pearl Street. I mean, Pearl Street is kind of the center of the downtown. Downtown is kind of the economic core of the city, so there's a reason for that. I think that uh, one of the things that we've seen, and you can still see the fencing up, obviously, right next to the Lacrosse Center. There's still there's still fencing all around there because Pearl Street walkway is walkway has never been completed. So that was all torn up to redo the lacrosse center and then never redone. And so what we have worked on is trying to come up with a plan that is acceptable and affordable and with the construction costs that we have currently, it's just, you know, what we had wanted to do there, just the basics is just we just need more funding. So uh, that's that's basically what that is. It's just allocating more capital funding for that project and this is a I, I, I forgive me i don't remember where that funding is coming from but do, it's it's capital funding do we have in the in the works uh what i bring up all the time the lacrosse center when we redid it we put a mezzanine up there yep. to overlook the river it's really nice um but we didn't put a stairwell there so that people that were walking on pearl street could walk up the stairwell and maybe overlook get on the mezzanine without having to go through the inside of the lacrosse center so, like, at yeah. any point in time during the day, maybe you could go stand on the mezzanine and overlook the, the Riverside Park. But you can't because you can't get up there. Well, okay, so we may be talking about two different things. The mezzanine is the enclosed area. Oh, no, yeah, the, yeah. whatever the outside part of it, in between the two buildings. Yeah, and that is, we do, that is open for some events, I think. I, I, I'd have to look that like up. Like when there know. were fireworks on right. July 4th, we opened that up. We had a party out there. So yeah, you of fireworks, but you but. have to get in through the lacrosse center. And one of the reasons for that is accessibility. You can't just have a stairwell. If you're going to have a stairwell outside, you have to have an elevator or something else outside as well. So we, we provide access indoors because we have ele- we have escalators, we have elevators, as, okay. as well as the stairs. So we, you can't just put a stairwell. Fair enough. Okay. Um, all right. So are you getting the funding for Pearl Street from the deal that with the humane society uh okay no no another part of the, another part of the agenda is to spend I, question, I think though. uh re-upping the contract with the cooley region humane society for mm-hmm. animal control because yep. you don't want to as a city you don't want to just hire uh you know what dog dog catchers you just let human no that's humane exactly society. yeah that's exactly what we're doing actually we are so in the past in the previous contracts the contract that it's been a five-year uh, renewal on the contract in the last, we first started this uh, current form of this contract back in 2007. 
and uh, it's been re-upped every five years since then. And then the last year, uh, it expired at the end of 20, 2021. And then I determined that we needed to take another look at how we were providing animal enforcement uh, for the community. And uh, not only because of cost factors, but, um, well, that was primarily it. Actually, it was a cost driver. Uh, once we started looking at it, the police department, uh, once they started to look at it, look at other communities, they determined that uh, we, like other communities, could provide the law, the uh, animal enforcement internally, which would actually be more beneficial for us uh, for law enforcement purposes. So that's what we decided to do. We're still going to be contracting with the Cooley Re- Region Humane Society for animal impoundment and other services, but we'll be the city will be doing the animal enforcement ourselves. So the dog catchers will be Cooley Region Humane Society. I'm just doing like old. Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. Nope. That'll be the city. Just Lacrosse. impoundment. Okay. Yep, they'll be they'll be providing the impoundment services, and we'll be providing the uh, animal enforcement. Okay, when you say animal enforcement, does that also mean dog like, catcher? Rick, when, that's who, dog catcher. When, okay. the, when the ducks hatched outside, no, right on the no, road, no, and somebody had no, to come. No, no, that'd you, be humane society. You can call them, but, okay. but we're not. No, we. If you want, Wait, yeah. Are you giving another responsibility to the police? Is that what you're doing? Uh, yes, okay. yes, I am. That's absolutely correct. They volunteered. Okay. Chief Kudron said we can handle this, and they said, "Look, this is the best thing for not only city taxpayers, but provide better, uh, uh, more effective services that are more, more closely aligned with uh, what we provide on uh, services for law enforcement." Is there just not, not? Are there not that many cases where uh, authorities have to get involved with something like a dog bite or something like? You know, you see those every once in a while. We do. Yeah, we'll get we'll get those. I mean, that happens. We have uh, animals at large. We have uh, bites. We have. Various types of things. So, I mean, that, that happens. There's a giant spider in my basement. Yeah. All the police now. Oftentimes, you know, the one of the things where this works in some ways, and I, I don't know. I mean, this, I don't know when the last time lacrosse was in charge of animal enforcement in, this, in the city. And I'm not sure if it ever has been. Uh, but this is some, a model that other cities employ all across the, the state very successfully and have for many, many decades. And it really just, it, one of the things that, because oftentimes animals, uh, you know, when we have law enforcement issues, oftentimes there are animals involved and there needs to be some way to, um, you know, have more of a, a seamless operation between law enforcement and, uh, the, and the animal enforcement. Uh, so I think that's, that's part of what we're doing. But also, I mean, cost effectiveness. It's just going to cost less for us to do it. I, I, okay, so cat in a tree is fire department. Dog, please dog. don't please don't call us for cat in the tree. <laughs> While the fire department's no, just go, Who's just getting a cat let, the let the cat come down on its own. Please, <laughs> please don't call us for that. But yeah. uh, a dog bite, something like that, would be the police department. And if if ducklings are hatching in the middle of the street, that's the humane society. What else would the police be responsible for when it comes to to animal enforcement? I guess I don't even know. I can't even think of an example. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's dogs. There's again animals at large. Okay. Um, there's whenever there's if there's a a situation what where about like a coyote running it, through town. Nope, that's wildlife. We're not going to handle it. Okay, and we are. That is not something that we're obligated to do under statute. So we're right. not going to do it. Um, the uh, you know if there's if there's a, a law enforcement situation where there's an animal in the house and someone's getting arrested and the animal's got nowhere to go, then that animal will be um, handled by law, our, our animal enforcement officer and police will take it over it. to the Cooley region because they'll still impound it. And correct. how much money is the city saving by by reallocating the responsibilities? You know, off top it, of your head, 
It depends on how we're evaluating because the contract's entirely different. The payment process is entirely different. But uh, I estimate that what we'll be saving with what we're spending, um, what we would be spending in 2023 over what was proposed is somewhere north of $100,000 and probably close to one hundred fifty. And the police said we're good with that, with the responsibility. They like saving money. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the senior center and okay. alternate side parking because maybe it'll snow by by Christmas. All right. Yeah, there's a Starbucks in Hy-Vee. Wow. All right. Man, you don't listen to the show enough. I talk about the, I don't. I talk about the three Starbucks in a yeah, one right. block radius don't, don't uh, multiple t- times a week. No, don't, I don't. Don't actually. take that personally. Um. Okay. So lacrosse mayor Mitch Reynolds in the studio with me. We're, we're going to wrap up here a couple minutes. Um, okay. A couple of weeks ago, I think I, I want to say you put out some kind of statement on, um, because it was getting to the point where homeless people in Huska park, uh, there was, you know, like the, the, the time frame for being in there over summer because we, we designated a camping grounds sure. yep. ended. And I think I haven't looked over there in a week, but I always still notice there are, there is stuff over there. I yeah. can't tell if there, yeah. I haven't driven by there because yeah. I don't like to just, hey, I'm just driving by to look at homeless people. Look at homeless people. I just yeah. don't like doing that. And yeah. I don't even like making them the center of attention, but um, there was worry that the shelters would be full. And then if the shelters got full, because there were about 150 homeless people in Huska park, Okay. And if the sh- 140, you're just, wait, you're, you're just kidding. There's, there's all up. sorts of things that you're throwing out there. They're, they're like, oh, okay, they're not 150 people. Uh, so this is basically what happened was that we are, we've been looking at this since, obviously, we've been planning this since last year and worked through an emergency winter plan for this coming year. And part of that plan was uh, the possibility of having emergency winter or emergency declaration um, that would among other things, provide for winter sheltering spaces that would be in city buildings. Uh, the county has no buildings for us to use. There are no other public buildings, so the city buildings will, we would be looking at. I asked for a list of city buildings that were available. Uh, among them would be the Southside Neighborhood Center, the uh, Beach River Neighborhood Center, the... Um, Green Island. Uh, no, that wasn't available because that's that would be used. They, at, they're playing at, hockey in there, I think, right? Yeah, there's that wouldn't be available. Um, but the, uh, the St. James Community Policing Center... And uh, the building at 1607 North Street. And I think there was a couple of others, but I can't think of what they are off the top of my head. But they were not functional. And so our goal for, and we haven't, there hasn't been an emergency declaration yet. But one of the things that we needed to do was, one of the things that I, it was made very clear to me by all the service agencies in our community, is that it was important for the city to not get in the sheltering, to not get in the permanent sheltering business, to not open a hotel as we did last year uh, or pay for that rather. And to, um, but they also thought it would be important to, for the city to be part of the emergency winter sheltering process. So in other words, if the numbers on the street got to the extent where the shelters, uh, Salvation Army, Catholic Charities, et cetera, Ruth House, uh, New Horizons, if they got to the point where they just couldn't take any more people, that there needed to be an option or we would have people freezing to death outside. So our thought was, all right, we would need an emergency declaration or to open up buildings to allow them to be that, you know, non to allow them to be used as emergency shelters. So basically you can stay there. It's not, you know, it's not a place for you to live. It's not a place for you to, it's just a place for you to get out of the cold overnight. Uh, 
And so we identified three buildings, the, the Northside uh, Policing Center, the Southside Neighborhood Center, and the building at 1607 North Street. And, um, yeah, so, the, and, and you know, there obviously was some, some consternation because the Harry J. Olson organization is still in the uh, that building at 1607 North Street, even though their lease expired in, at the end of 2020. Um, so it has caused some has caused some concern among that that group. It's a relatively small group, but they're very concerned about um, about that building. I mean, again, they haven't, they're not, we don't have a lease with them, haven't had for almost two years now. Um, the city council back in 2016 determined that that would be the final lease. And uh, I tried, when I first took office, nine days after I took office, I told staff, let's come up with a purchase agreement to basically give them the building. Because mm-hmm. at some point, I was at a meeting, you know, back in 2015, I think it was, when I think there was the Board of Public Works that said, you know, we should we should basically sell them the building for a dollar. Let's give them the building. Get it out of our hands, give it to the building, and then, you know, just walk away from it. Um, and so I tried to do that. Uh, we did put conditions on that sales because the city has put so much money into that building uh, federal dollars, state dollars, local tax dollars that we needed to have conditions so that if they got the building for free, essentially, and then turned around the next day and sold it for a million dollars. Well, we want to recover some of that because that's fair to taxpayers. And uh, they didn't like those conditions. They didn't like those. They didn't like that condition. They didn't like the condition of uh, us wanting to maintain it as a polling site. We thought that was a reasonable condition. We didn't want uh, their, them to be able to sign long-term subleases or, or other management contracts because it would create encumbrances for the city if, by chance, we uh, we had to we we were we were under you know we we uh, if it fell back into our ownership that type of thing or if it needed to be sold because somebody's under contract right. running a senior center there but or, or anything else or if it's being sublet and yeah. we we just we wanted that not to be a hindrance or an encumbrance on city of lacrosse taxpayers. And so, uh, you know, I, I made them that offer. They, they didn't want those conditions. Again, me basically saying, look, we want to give you this building. Now, all that would have to be approved by the city council. I can't just do that. Right. Uh, but they didn't, they decided that they didn't like the conditions and, um, and then we're, we reached an impasse. So we're still there. We're still not, we haven't resolved anything. Um, I don't, you know, I think that the, the conversations about homelessness in the senior center are two different conversations, frankly. I mean, on one hand, you have an organization, it's a private, a private organization, a private membership, they're dues-paying members. Um, they have a, a city taxpayer-funded clubhouse, essentially, and, um, and it, they're, they're existing there for free. The- does the city council need to address it? Does whoever in that district, does, what needs to happen through the city council now? The city council acted in 2016. Right. They said this. Uh, it's a long, a long time ago. It is. Yeah. It's almost seven years because it was January of 2016. And they, but at the time the city council said that, well, this is the last lease and created a scene, uh, a subcommittee to study what, what could be done in the future. Um, and that was essentially it. And then no action was taken after that, there hasn't been any action taken by the city council since then. The actually the only action that's been taken by the city council was to declare the Southside uh, Senior Center surplus property back in um, 
back in, uh, I must say 2018 or 2019, something like that. So that was put on the market. And that was, that was the plan originally for the, for this building as well is if, you know, again, recommendation, which uh, is not something that is binding, but the recommendation from the board of public works at that time was sell them the building or, or listed as surplus and sell it. And, um, so yeah, we're, we're at that point. We're having, they, uh, the, I think that they're, frankly, I think the organization has got some bad advice. I think that it would have been probably to their benefit to simply take the building for a dollar, frankly. I think that would have been really uh, a really simple thing. And now they're, you know, we're in, in a situation where they're facing eviction because they don't, they don't have a lease. They create a liability for city to lacrosse taxpayers. And we have robust senior programming in the city of lacrosse. We provide senior programming at multiple sites. The library provides senior programming as well. Um, there are multiple options for seniors. We have two meal sites that the county runs food through. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a difficult situation. I hope that we can work through it somehow. And uh, we, we, I, we go back to the table and go, well, with inflation, we'll sell you that building for $1.70. $1.70. Would they take the deal then, you think? Or are you fed I, up with to, it? To, like, to you know my what? knowledge, to their, they it. want their terms and they don't want our terms, and that's not acceptable to me. It doesn't protect taxpayers nearly enough. Can you answer this in 30 seconds? Yes. Rick, did the city of Shelby boundary issue get settled? 30 seconds. We are working on it right now. We're, we're very, very close. We are very close, and we're going through final negotiations right now. So, yes, after how, how many years, we're hopefully going to actually wrap this boundary agreement up. Yes. All right, that's Lacrosse Mayor Mitch Reynolds. Thanks, everybody, for listening.